Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. morning. Merry Christmas. I'm so, so glad that you are with us on this cold, rainy day today. And kiddos, we are so glad you are with us this morning. We, are, we love our children, and uh, we're glad that you get to be a part of the gathering today. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Hold on. Present time is coming at your house, I'm sure. Just hold on, hold on, hold on. You're in the window now where it's mere hours, okay? So hold on. I uh, hope you're working on one of the worship, worship worksheets this morning and coloring away and, and co- thinking about Jesus and how much God loves you. And um, the biggest gift of all at Christmas is the gift of God's Son. This morning, we are wrapping up a three-part series called The Thrill of Hope. And this has been our Christmas emphasis. It's been uh, drawn out of the lyric from the Christmas song, O Holy Night, Long Lay the World in Sin and Darkness, uh, Pining the Thrill of Hope. Uh, when the, the Savior is born. And so this morning, as we finish that up, we're going to be in the book of Luke. So open your Bibles to chapter 2 of the book of Luke. We're going to walk through the birth of Jesus and the announcement to the shepherds together. Uh, Luke, starting in chapter 1. If, if you didn't get a chance to bring a copy of the scriptures, or if it's not on your phone, then you're uh, welcome to follow along on the screen. We've got it up there for you as well. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. In those days of Caesar Augustus, he issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, a census is a counting. It's it's sort of, we need to know who's where, how many people are living in this district. It was related to taxes and all kinds of other things, and it was just an accounting of the population. So Caesar decreed, he commanded that everybody has to be counted. So Luke tells us what happens next. At that point, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, so they're in Bethlehem now, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. Okay, time out. This picture we need to get in our mind is, is of, of pregnant Mary, like do any time Mary, on a road trip. I've never been pregnant, I promise. But those of you in the crowd who have been pregnant, think about 
days from delivery road trip does not sound fun, even in your cushy SUV, how much more maybe riding on the back of a donkey? (laughs) Difficult days, but they have to go. It's the command of Caesar. And so they're making their way over to Nazareth, and the time came, and where it was the time for the baby to be born. And it's almost as if Luke says that casually. Can you imagine all that was going on without modern medicine with Joseph, who this was his first time in this moment, with Mary, her first time in this moment, and they're both trying to figure out this moment together. And all of the pain and likely shouting All of the difficulty and unknown that was going on right then. Make sure you've got this picture of an ancient Near East birth of a young woman and her betrothed. It says here, she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths. Not clothes. (laughs) There's no E in that word. Cloths. This was not some matching garment from Baby Gap. She wrapped him in cloths. It was whatever they had. It could have probably even been maybe the outer robe that Joseph had been wearing. They were in this place that was unique. She placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. A lot of scholars are are pretty sure that that Jesus was born in a little cutout on on the side of of a mountain or of a cliff, a little bit of a cave. And it was out behind an inn um, in the town of Bethlehem where, where animals were kept. And among the animals, this is where Jesus came to be. This is where he was born. And laid in a manger, which is a feeding trough loaded with hay. So the mattress of the king of kings was a pile of hay in a manger. And the sounds of the animals matched the sounds of Mary and then the screaming baby. The smells in that room could not have been beautiful and pleasant like you had had a baby in a modern hospital. You talk about bursting a silent night in a cave, in a stable, the birth of a baby placed in a manger. This is what's going on here in this moment that Luke tells us about. Next verse And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. So nearby Bethlehem, just outside of the city, um, this is where they would tend their flocks. And they were keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I bet they were. God had not spoken to the people of God or to the world, as far as we know, in hundreds of years. An angel had not appeared to anyone in hundreds of years. As we saw in week one, the appearance to Zechariah, and we saw last week the appearance to Mary, and now we see this appearance here to the shepherds. This is a big happening. Angels didn't show up just every day. And he was terrified. He was terrified because an angel is not this cute little chubby cherub in a diaper with a holding a harp kind of an angel. This is a fierce warrior of God. And it says the glory of the Lord shone around them. This angel was lit up and there was no electricity at that point. The glory of God shone on this angel. This was an incredibly moment and he just appeared. And they were terrified as one would expect. Look what it says. 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Here we have God sending a messenger, God sending an angel to the world, to the people, and he is announcing, good news is here. I have something good to tell you. Do not be afraid. And the news I'm going to give is going to be news that will cause great joy in all the people. He is about to tell them about the birth of Jesus. And while we're here in this moment, right here in this little verse, I love the phrasing of this. It says, the good news will cause great joy in all the people. Can we stop and just take a moment to understand and realize that nothing wrapped in ribbon and paper will ever bring lasting joy? I know we've got hope about what's under the tree. I know we're excited to dig into those presents. But nothing under your tree will bring lasting joy. It will not cause lasting joy in your life. It may cause temporary joy, momentary joy, but the only thing that can bring overflowing, lasting joy in your life is a relationship with God's son, Jesus. It's the only thing. Not only will nothing wrapped in ribbon and paper cause lasting joy to be in your life, but there's no relationship with another person that can bring lasting joy like Jesus can. People are going to let you down. That's not a newsflash to you, is it? People are going to let you down. Do not put your hope in people. Put your hope in God. And the angel says, I'm going to bring you news and the subject of this news, the birth of the Savior, the birth of Jesus. He, Jesus, he will cause joy in people. And maybe you're here this morning and the season is dark for you and the season is silent for you and the season is difficult for you. I would say open up your heart to Jesus Christ because he can cause joy to come into your life. Possessions won't cause it, people won't cause it, but God can bring joy even in the darkest of situations. The angel says, this news is going to cause great joy for all of God's people. Let's keep reading about the angel's announcement. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The angel says, a savior has been born. Think about that for a moment. Jesus came as a savior. It, it looks like just a little baby in a manger, but in that manger is a savior who's gonna go and do battle for you and for me. He is going to grow up because he's on a mission to give his life as a sacrifice on the cross. Jesus was never a victim. The cross was not a plan B or a fallback. He was born in the manger to go to the cross. The cross didn't come up later as an, uh-oh, what do we do now? How do we fix a problem? Jesus came to the earth for the purpose of going to the cross. He is a savior. I'm going to ask you this morning, is he your savior? Have you ever thought about your need for a savior? One of the most controversial phrases that's ever been uttered in the human language is for someone to look at another person and say, 
you need a savior. That could be so offensive. But the idea of a savior is saving us from what? Saving us from the judgment of God. The judgment of God, why would he judge us? Because we have sinned against God. Oh, we've all sinned against God. The Bible says every single one of us has sinned except Jesus. But God gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not come under the spiritual death of the judgment of God, but would have everlasting life. The angel announces to the shepherds, unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, not just a new prophet, not just a new miracle worker, not just a really nice guy, but a savior. As you go through the Christmas season, do not mistake the baby as the final thing about the story of Jesus. The baby was born to give his life for you and for me. How did he become our savior? Because when Jesus went to the cross, and the cross is a, a method of Roman execution. When, when Jesus went to the cross, God allowed Jesus to be crucified, and God took that method of condemnation, and he turned that into an altar of sacrifice. And as Jesus hung on the cross, he shed his blood for you and for me. And he became the lamb of God, the sacrificial lamb to satisfy God and to pay for the guilt of your sins and the guilt of my sins. When Jesus died on the cross, he's the only one who could do that. He was the only one worthy because he had never sinned. And God accepted the death of Jesus and the blood of Jesus to cover over the guilt of your sin and my sin. That's why when Jesus was on the cross right before he died, he said, it is finished. It's paid in full. All of us had incurred debt with God. All of us had offended God. And we had this, this debt we had with God that we could never pay, that we could never cancel out. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, he canceled our certificate of debt with God. Jesus died. Three days later, God raised him from the dead to demonstrate his power over sin and death. Jesus is alive. Jesus is resurrected. And he is the first one to be resurrected in this way as a promise to you and to me that if we will believe in Jesus, there will be a resurrection for us as well. Coming back again, how is he a savior? Why do we need a savior? We've all sinned against God. God was going to punish us for our sin, but God inserted his son as a substitute. And Jesus died and took the punishment of God that you and I could not endure. God raised him from the dead and now God makes this offer to you and to me. And he says, if you believe that what Jesus did on the cross finished the payment for your sins. And you believe that Jesus wasn't just a man, but he was the son of God. And if you believe that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior. Jesus came to do all that. Is that good news?
Jesus came to do that for you. You who have rebelled against God, who've said, I know what's right and I don't care. You and me together, we have all been offensive to God in some way, shape, or form. We have gone our own way. We have chased after sin. We have spent not only um, moments in sin, but some of us years in sin. We have loved it and chased after it and reveled in it. All of these things that are against the ways of God. But his love came down. Jesus Christ, a Savior. The angel says, For unto you is born this day in the town of David a Savior. He is the Messiah. He's the one that the Jewish people were waiting for. He's the one in the line of David. He's the one who was promised and prophesied. He's the one who's coming. And I would say to us all this morning, if you're waiting for someone else to put your hope in, stop waiting. There is no one else. Jesus is your hope. And if you've been thinking at all about your own death, about standing before God one day, if you've ever had those thoughts, if you believe in Jesus and you have a relationship with God, then there is absolutely no fear of death. Because when we stand before God, he will look at us as covered by the blood of Christ, forgiven by our faith in Jesus. There is no one else to hope in. There is no one else to wait for. God has sent a savior for you and for me. Put your hope in him. He is the Lord, the angel says. Verse 12. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This heavenly host that appeared is an angelic army. This isn't just a choir. This is an angelic army. And the sound that they made was not just some quiet, far off thing. It was a deafening roar, a little bit like the roar that was probably going on with the Titans game yesterday at the end. Think about being in a big stadium of people and the roar is just massive and you can almost Feel it. That's what this moment was like. There was this angel. They were terrified. He gave them this amazing news. And then suddenly, poof, an angelic army appeared with the angel. And they were shouting a proclamation. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to all men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Time out. Have you ever thought about their search in Bethlehem? They were told, you'll find a baby, newborn lying in a manger wrapped in cloths. So... They just went house to house, room to room. Can you imagine that search, knocking on doors in the middle of the night? Um, has a baby been born here recently? Like really recently? No? Okay, good night. Sorry. 
looking. There's some time that's elapsed here. And they find him. And they know. They know they found the right moment. They come to this place. They've said, let's go. Let's figure it out. They hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. If you're a believer in Jesus, this is our season to spread the word about what is true, about what everyone celebrates in this child in a manger. He is a savior. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. They spread the word about all that was told to them. Verse 18, And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God with, for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I want to finish this morning circling back to just a couple of things out of verse 19 of what the angel said to the shepherds. The proclamation when the angelic army showed up to be with this one messenger angel, when this army showed up, they were saying these two things, glory to God and peace on earth to all mankind. Glory to God and peace on earth to all mankind. I want to hang out in those two areas for just a moment. Why were the angels saying glory to God? Why were the angels shouting glory to God? Because God's already glorious. I hope you know that when you glorify God, you do not add to his glory. He is already full up to the brim with glory that could be glorious. We point to his glory we call attention to his glory, but we do not add to God's glory. We don't make him more glorious. He is infinitely glorious. So why were the angels saying, glory to God? Why were they in so many ways pointing to God? This good news points to God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Because even in heaven, the outrageous gift of a Savior stands out as a miracle. God gets the glory because this is outrageous. It is unthinkable. It is absolutely amazing that the judge would make a way for those who are guilty to be pardoned. What? It is absolutely outrageous that God would look at you who have just said, I don't care what you say. God's looked at me who've watched me cuddle up to and run hard after sin. God would look at us and say, I love you and I will make a way for you to be clean. I will make a way for you to be forgiven. I will make a way for you to be new. I will make a way for you to no longer be my enemy, but to be my son or my daughter. Romans 5 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For one would 
hardly die for a righteous person, but one might even dare to die for a righteous person. But God demonstrates his own, own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The birth of Jesus, the gift of a Savior, says something about God, and that's why it is a moment of glory to God in the highest. Even in heaven, the birth of the Savior is a miracle. Not that a member of the Trinity could take on flesh, that's a miracle, but that's not why they were saying glory to God. Not that, not that some Old Testament promises were kept, although that's amazing and wonderful. That's not why they were saying glory to God. They were marveling at the incredible grace of God. Grace is undeserved kindness. And as you celebrate Christmas, stand in, sit in, rest in the undeserved, unimaginable, incredible grace of God. The angels said glory to God in the highest heaven, but then the other thing they said, the second thing, is they said, peace to all mankind on whom his favor, that's that word, favor is the word grace, it's his kindness, God's kindness. God has stooped from heaven to help us when there was no way to help ourselves. Christmas is not sugary, sweet. Sh Christmas is loaded with deep, rich theology. And there is a bloody birth in a stable that led to a bloody cross when our Savior gave his life. And Christmas is about both of them. Peace to the world. Peace on earth. Peace to all mankind on whom his favor rests. So get this picture. Angelic army in the skies shouting out these things to this shepherd group in the night. And this angelic group, this glowing, bright, fierce looking, terrifying looking angelic group. Here's what they're shouting. Glory to God and Wow, how great is it to be you. Glory to God. Good news. You won't believe it because we barely believe it either. But God's favor has come to you. God's kindness has come to you. So the birth of the Savior, the gift of Jesus, the gift of the Savior says something about God. Glory to God. But the gift of the Savior also says something about us. And this is what it says, is that even though we were sinful and stained and gross and corrupted and rebellious, it says that God loves us. Christmas is a statement of the love of God. As well as the cross is a statement of the love of God. Christmas is the announcement of hope. God's favor rests upon you. God's kindness. Because that's all we had, right? We could not earn our forgiveness. All we could, would really receive is just 
the kindness of God. And that was something we could never dream about. But here are the angels. Glory to God. Whoa, there's no one like you. There's no love like yours. This is the greatest thing that has ever happened in the history of things happening. You're going to give your son on a mission to die as a substitute for them? And the way they've treated you, the way they've responded to you, the way they've abandoned you, the way they've mocked you, the way they've betrayed you? Glory to God. I cannot believe you're doing this. Glory to God. There is no love like yours. And peace. I I don't picture this angel army looking at the shepherds and saying, peace to you. Peace to the world. Peace to all mankind on whom God's kindness flows out. If you are in this room today and you are alive in your soul because you've believed in Jesus and you've had your sins forgiven because you've believed in what he did for you, that did not happen because you were a good boy or a good girl. It happened because of the kindness of God. If you are alive today in Jesus and you have the hope of heaven when you die and you have no fear of standing before God, the fact that you are right with God right now is not because you have been good. It is because of God's kindness in your life. Christmas is about the grace of God resting on the world. Glory to God. And wow, peace to the world for his favor is flowing down on you from heaven. Last couple of weeks, we've been opening some gifts as part of this series. I got, I got one more gift today. What do you hope it is? That, that's the thrill of hope, right? Somebody in their socks, and we'll just pretend grown-ups that it's a child, because we get excited too, don't we adults? We can't wait. I can't wait. I was one of those kids where even, you know, in the junior high and high school, I was just like, you know, I know we're opening gifts at 530, but how about at like 230, we open just one, just one. I, what, what are you hoping, what are you, what are you hopes in this, in this gift? That's a good hope, a child, because we're talking about Jesus, the Christ child, So many jokes, so little time. Pretty sure it's not a child. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. We're okay. Whew. In this gift, this one has a label. The other ones didn't have a label. This, this box right here uh, is labeled what you deserve. And Christmas is God saying, I got something else for you. Christmas is God saying, 
you can't even open this. You can't even handle this. So I'm going to give this to my son. I don't know about you, but I was thinking about this label. I just wanted to back away from it. You might have that reaction just in your seat right now. Like, I don't even want to know. Because I know me. How about you? You know you? <laughs> Christmas is God saying, Oh, I know what you deserve. But instead, here's my son. Here's a savior. Here's the Messiah you've been waiting for. Here's me. Glory to God. And how good is it to be us who had no hope other than the one who is Jesus. Let's pray. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, just for a moment, would you just take a deep breath and don't put your stuff away. Would you just sit in a moment of thanking God for his gift to you? And if you can get the words together, would you say them? Would you say, God, thank you that you did not give me what I deserved? Would you, would you thank him for that? Would you thank him that Jesus went to the cross so you didn't have to? Because you couldn't. Would you thank God that for the peace that's over your life right now if you're a Christian? Would you thank God that you have the hope of heaven? That your sins are paid in full? would you just say glory to God? Would you glorify him in your heart right now? Would you praise him in your heart right now for his indescribable gift, unthinkable gift, outrageous trade of what we deserved for what we've received? Amen. Would you stand this morning? Before we sing, I want you to just kind of look up here for a second. This song that we're about to do is just your moment to enjoy the Lord and to respond to Him with worship. But if everybody can look up here just for a second, I want to, I want to communicate something that God's put on my heart for you today. So I said the gift of the Savior says something about God and His love. And the gift of the Savior also says something about you. God sees worth in your life. 
You are not less than. You're a creation of God and you're beautiful just as you are. You're enough just as you are. God loves you just as you are. And God wants you to receive the good news of the Savior today. And he wants you to receive his approval on your life today. God loves you. You are not the collective pile of your mistakes. You are not the long track record of your inconsistencies. You are not the big stack of failures of 2018. You are a child of the Most High God. And when he looks at you, if you know Jesus, he sees a clean one. He sees an adored one. He sees his son whom he loves, his daughter whom he loves. And so I would like to ask you this Christmas that you would receive the gift of being loved by God and that you would put down shame in your life. Put it down. You are not that old person. You are not those regrets from high school. You are not those mistakes from last summer. You are not those failures from when you were 17 or 19. You are new and clean and adopted and free in the power of God. And when he looks at you in this room, in this moment, all he has for you is love. That's the joy that the angels wanted to communicate and I want I feel like God wants somebody here to hear that today when God looks at you he sees love and the gift of Jesus says you are worth it loves you receive that today that's true. That's, that's just true. That's who you are. Let's respond to the Lord.